I don't know if y'all felt what I felt, but even between the songs, there's something in the atmosphere. Well, I'm thankful I know what that something is. It's the Holy Ghost. God is so very good to us. But I believe He wants to be better. You see, chapter 62 of Isaiah says, For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory and thou shalt be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. I don't care what your mama called you. God has a new name for you. If you are saved, that name is already written down in glory. Did you hear what I told you tonight? If you are saved, that name is already written down in glory. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. Not just is your name written down in glory, but you, if you are saved, you are glory for God. How does that set with you tonight? That ought to give you reason to raise your hands, and not just your hands, but your voice and say, Thank you, Lord. You need to just tell Him, Thank you, Lord. Not just glory, but you're a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. You hear what I'm telling you tonight? You are no more forsaken. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm leading into what I've got to preach. I think it's time for us to understand who we are and what we are. It is time for us to understand not only does God have us in His hand, but we are His glory. We are a royal diadem for Him. In other words, He loves us and He wants the very best for us. And not only that, He has dispatched His angels before just to tend about a dead body. You don't believe me? Go over to Jude. This morning I told you in Jude it talks about being twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Well, we also see in Jude that Michael the archangel had to go contend with the devil for the body of Moses. Not a live body, a dead body of Moses. And he rebuked the devil by saying, The Lord rebuked thee. Tonight I think it's time for us to understand who and what we are. And I think it's time for us to look and say, Devil, the Lord rebuked thee. How many in here have lost children, lost parents, lost uh, cousins, brothers, sisters, lost family, lost friends, lost people that you care for? I believe if God sent Michael, the archangel, to contend over a dead body of Moses, He will send an archangel to contend over the live body of your child. 
He will send an angel to contend over the live body of a parent. He will send a live angel to contend over a live body of a loved one. And I thought of different stories and different passages that I could go to. And of course, one of the most popular is David and his Ziklag experience. We know that David was on the battlefield. Uh, you could even go to a song, On the Battlefield for My Lord. That's what he was doing. But when he went back to Ziklag, what he found was that everything was gone. Not just everything of his, but everything of all of his soldiers. And even his soldiers turned on him. But God told him, you go march into the enemy's camp and take back what they took from you, and you will recover all and then some. I preached that message, I don't know, a few months back. But I got to thinking, there's so many people that have been down for so long and have been through so much that you need to know that this is not a unique situation and that you might even be there just to preserve a posterity. That's actually the title that I've got for tonight is Preserving a Posterity. And we are still talking about Pentecostal winds. We're still talking about the Holy Spirit but we're talking about the Spirit in you for someone else. Now where I'm going tonight, I believe it's time for us to look and say, Devil, the Lord rebuke you. They are no longer yours. You have put your Holy Spirit in me, God, to preserve a posterity, to be able to speak to family, to be able to speak to friends, to be able to be the provision that they need in their most desperate hour. And I believe it's time that we start seeing a harvest come in of these lost family members, these lost friends, these people that have been your brothers and sisters in Christ before but have walked away. I don't know why things happen. I don't understand why we go through things that we go through. All I know is God says that His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we can't understand these things but I know God does and I know God has a plan and I know that time and again through history even though life happens he has preserved a posterity if you would turn to Genesis 45 and 7 and as you find that if you would stand this is just kind of the key text and I, I'm going to move to this and we're going to talk about Joseph tonight but Genesis 45 and 7 says, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Let's read that last part again. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. I'm ready for a great deliverance. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight. Lord, for the promise of your word. Lord, not least of all, which is that your will is that all would come to a knowledge of truth. God, that you would have all to be saved, wishing that none would perish that you're not slack concerning your promises, that you're no respecter of persons. And God, if you did it for the family of Joseph, you can do it for our families tonight. Lord, I pray that right now in this moment 
that those chains start dropping off, that bondages start falling away. God, I pray that your power would start moving. Lord, not necessarily in this house, but God, in the homes where those family members are sitting. God, let them be pricked in their hearts and their consciousness right now, Lord, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray that you would start bringing in family, that you would start delivering, Lord, family from drugs, from alcohol, Lord, from apostasy, from fornication, from adultery. God, whatever may be holding them back, Lord, I know the power of the Holy Ghost to move upon them would forever change their lives. God, I believe you have brought people here. You have brought them through things. Lord, just so they could be an example, Lord, just so they could speak life, Lord, just so they could point the way to you so they could be a provision of salvation in this hour. Lord, I pray for the move of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, that what we do would glorify and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know some of y'all have went through life. And what I mean by that, you have faced trials and tribulations. You have faced issues in life. And you may feel like that you have reached a point where there is no hope. It's been too many years. It's been too many times of someone walking away. It's been too much of whatever it is. But I've got a message for you tonight that all of that really doesn't matter. You know, I thank God for second chances. As a matter of fact, when I was down there and they were singing, what one of the things that I was thanking God for was not just a second chance, but a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. I thank God He didn't give up on me when I was out being ignorant and then I'd walk into the church house on Sunday morning and saying, God, help me out. And then He'd help me out and then I'd go back out Monday and do the same thing. I thank God when I come back for that third chance the next week and then did it all over again, He didn't snub his nose at me the fourth time or the fifth time. I don't know how many times it was, but I know that every time I walked in because someone else was full of the Spirit, someone else was praying for me, someone else was trying to reach the throne room of heaven for me, that it paid off in the end. That he didn't see fit to leave me in my, in my dirt. He didn't see fit to leave me in my filth, in my pig pen, however you want to put it. He seen fit to keep calling after me and keep pulling after me and to keep speaking to me and one day it come to pass I believe that we need to understand we need to quit looking at family and saying it's beyond hope no it's not because one day it'll come to pass start speaking life to that son start speaking life to that daughter start speaking life over your cousin start speaking life over your family quit looking at them and saying there's no chance because Joseph was in a place where he felt like he had no chance and can I tell you, when that happened to him, he was only 17 years old. He was 17 years old. In Genesis 37 and 2, it says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. But you see, Joseph had a dream 
after that. You can go on down to 37 and 5 in Genesis and you will see that Joseph had a dream. I believe many people in here have had a dream that your child would come to an altar, that your brother would come to an altar, that your sister would come to an altar, that someone that is dear to your heart would be saved. And too many times you don't understand why and you don't understand how, but it is yet to come to pass. Joseph had a dream at 17 years old that his mother and father and all of his brethren would bow before him. Now, I I can only imagine that at 17 years old, you probably thought you were destined for greatness and that nothing bad was going to happen. Much the same way that I believe when we have dreams or visions and we look at family and God has spoken over us or God has spoken directly to us that you will see that child come home and then things go south that you think, well, that must have been a just my dream. That must have just been me talking to me. No doubt Joseph would have thought the same thing because when he spoke this dream out, when he said, this is what God has for me, is that I'm going to be above my brothers and I'm going to be even above my mother and father. What the brothers did was conspired and they took him out and they put Joseph in a pit. Now they were not content just to let him suffer a little bit. They had to sell him into slavery, take his coat of many colors, dip it in blood and take it back to daddy and say, Daddy, look here, he's dead and gone. We don't need to worry about him taking over us anymore. Now while they were speaking that, Joseph is in bondage. He's heading to a foreign country and surely he's thinking to himself, God, that must not have been you that told me that, but that must have been a dream within my own self. Lord, I need your help. And you can see that indeed he did get a little favor and a little help as you read through Genesis. Because when he went, he ended up in Potiphar's house. He ended up in, a, in an elite position. His family is still over here. They're certainly not bowing to him because they're even in a foreign land. But God did see a little bit of favor on Joseph. He was at the mountaintop. He ended up in the pit. And now he's found a favored position yet again. Much like us, we see peaks and valleys within our life and our family's still over here and we don't understand. We're happy about it when we're in the palace, but we're not so happy about it when we're in the pit. We think everything's going wrong. Joseph ended up there at Potiphar's house and I think we probably all know the story that as he got into Potiphar's house that he did find great favor until Potiphar's wife decided that she wanted to intervene, that she wanted to do things that was unbecoming of any woman and she decided to make some false accusations on top of that against Joseph and Joseph ended up in prison. Now, I didn't read through that carefully to see how long this was, but Joseph was probably in his early 20s because I'll get to some more ages here in a little bit. And Joseph ended up in prison with other people that had been put there by Pharaoh. 
Now they had dreams and God showed Joseph favor and he interpreted the dreams and the people ended up having come to pass exactly what Joseph said would come to pass. Now I imagine that even though he was still in prison at this point that he thought well maybe that dream that I had all those years ago that landed me ultimately in prison maybe has something to it so I've still got a little bit of glimmer of hope. Because he had the assurance of one of them that, yes, I've got Pharaoh's ear and I'll tell him all about you and we're going to find a way to get you out of prison. Yet, when he got out and he had Pharaoh's ear, all of a sudden he forgot to mention it to Pharaoh. So then I imagine Joseph probably went back down into a pit mentally. I probably would have. But ultimately he remembered... Because Pharaoh had a dream. And he said, you know what? I remember something. Several years back I was in prison with someone. Several years back he told me I would be restored to my position. And I was. He told another one that he would die. And he did. Maybe you need to call on him. Maybe you need to call on this Joseph. And find out what happens. What your dreams mean. He did, and everything was going just as Joseph said. He was able to tell him the dream and what it meant. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Genesis 41, 38, and this is continuing, I told you, in the Pentecostal winds, talking about the Holy Spirit. Even Pharaoh looked at Joseph and said, Can we find such a one as this is? Now he's talking over here to the servants, but he's looking at Joseph. He's pointing at Joseph. Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Even Pharaoh recognized the Spirit of God in Joseph. Now Joseph did not get sent down to Egypt to preserve himself. He got sent to Egypt because he was being put in bondage. He got sent to Egypt because his brothers couldn't handle that he might be greater than they one day. He got sent down to Egypt because God gave him a dream and things were going to get way worse before they ever got better. But through all of this, that dream was still going on in his mind that one day his brothers and his mother and his father would have to kneel down before him now I, I don't know that he understood the fullness of that dream at the time God has spoken to some of you that your children are going to have to come home he has spoken to some of y'all that some things have to come to pass in your life and yet year after year month after month you have walked through those doors and different evangelists and different preachers and different people have spoken life over them and yet here you are you are still in the pit you are still in Potiphar's house you're still getting false accusations you're still having even the ungodly recognize that the spirit of God is in you and yet your family is still over there sitting wasting away and you don't know what to do But you see, there was a famine that come about, and I would love to just take some time to delve into that because I think that's a picture of so many things. But ultimately, this famine comes. 
And when the famine comes, his family is still sitting over where they were. And they were going to die. You know, much like you look at your family and you worry that if they don't get into the right house, they're going to die. Well, Jacob wasn't going to let that happen. But understand that when this starts, Joseph is 30 years old. Remember, he had the dream at 17. He got sold into bondage. He got an elevated position. He ended up in prison for years. And now he's finally getting out of prison and he's getting in a position of prominence again. And 13 years have passed since his dream. And finally, after a couple of years, his brothers come. I know it's a couple of years because the famine had been going on for two years before they showed up. That's what we find out in Genesis 45 and 6 before the key verse that I read. Two years after the famine started before they showed up. You're sitting back and you're wondering when your people are going to come home. You've had a dream about them since way before now. You've had prophecy spoken time and time again. But do you understand Joseph was 17 years old when he had a dream? He waited 13 years just to be in a position not to maybe see a glimmer of hope that this dream would come true, but to even be in a place where he might be able to lay eyes on his family. He hadn't even been able to look at his family in 13 years God had told him that they would bow down before him but he hadn't even seen them standing let alone bowing Joseph said unto his brethren I am Joseph doth my father yet live and his brethren could not answer him for they were troubled at his presence. Your family ain't going to recognize you when you're full of the Holy Ghost. Now some people would like to say that they just didn't recognize Joseph because he had done age from 17 to 32. But I want you to go back and look at pictures of yourself from 17 to 32. There's not that much difference. When you hit 42, when you hit 52, you might start looking a little bit different. But from 17 to 32, you can recognize yourself. And his brothers were older, save for Benjamin, and they would have remembered their brother that they were in the same house with every day. There wasn't something different necessarily about his looks. There was something different about his countenance. You see, the Holy Spirit was in him not for Joseph to be able to run and dance and shout, but the Holy Ghost was in Joseph to be able to preserve a posterity. The Holy Ghost was in Joseph so he could see his family saved. The Holy Ghost was in Joseph so he didn't have to have everybody die and him left in a foreign land. 
The Holy Ghost is in you tonight so you can look and you can square up with the devil and you don't have to look at him and say, Satan, I rebuke you because I don't have any power. The only power I've got is the power living on the inside of me. The only power I've got in me is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is the same spirit in me. The same God that I can look at is the same one that Michael, the archangel, looked at. And he squared up with the devil and he said, the Lord rebuke you. I think it's time that we start standing up and looking and saying, the Lord rebuke you. They may not recognize you because you've got a different countenance. They may not recognize you because you don't walk the same. You don't talk the same. You don't act the same. You're not in the midst of a famine like they are because they're heathens and they won't come into church. You're in the middle of being fed well. You're in the middle of taking care of other things. You look different. You walk different. You act different. But you can still get before them and you can say, I'm still the same old person, but I've just got some power inside of me that has changed my life. Let me tell you what can change your life. I've got some power inside of me. The same power that raised a man from the dead is the same power in me. The same power in me is the same power that walked by a man born blind and let him open his eyes and see. The same power in me is the same power that raised Jesus Christ and seated him at the right hand of the throne and assured me that I've got a new name spoken by his mouth already written down in a book of glory that I'm glory in the hand of the Lord. You can look at him and you've got a testimony and a witness to them. That's what Joseph was doing. He was looking at them and saying, you don't have to live in famine anymore. You don't have to live like you've been living. You don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to live with lack. You don't have to live with mistrust. You can come here and everything will be provided for you that you need. God said he would provide exceeding abundantly more than we can think or ask. He won't see his children begging bread. We, uh, we need to understand who and what we are and what we've got to offer to our family. But he don't stop there. He goes on. They were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. He might have looked different, but he, was, he, he had to slide in and tell them the truth of the matter that no one else probably would have known. You don't walk into Pharaoh's house and become literally the head of Egypt even above Pharaoh, because Pharaoh did what Joseph said to do. And people know that you were nothing but a slave sold out of a foreign land. That wouldn't have been common knowledge. But when he looked at them, they knew that it was him. Because he told his story. But he also told them, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither but look what that says you don't know why you've been through what you've been through you don't know why it's taking you so long to see the promises of God come to pass I don't know either I can't tell you but what I can tell you is that, that you're full of the Holy Ghost God has sent you to preserve life God did send me before you to preserve life. 
For these two years hath the famine been in the land. And yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth. And to save your lives by great deliverance. You want to know why the Holy Ghost is in you tonight? It's to save someone's life. You want to know why the Holy Ghost is in you tonight? It's so someone can see a great deliverance. You want to know why the Holy Ghost is in you tonight? It's so your kids don't die and go to hell. You want to know why the Holy Ghost is in you? It's so you can lay hands on someone and see them healed and save them a doctor bill that they can't afford. The Holy Ghost is in you, not so much for you, but the Holy Ghost is in you so you can take care of them. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. You ain't been through the things you've been through because your child put you through them. You ain't been through the things that you went through because your daddy put you through them. If you've got the Holy Ghost living inside of you, you've been through some things so you can be a witness and a testimony and you can look at them and you can see their life preserved. You can see them delivered out of the bondages of their sin. You can see them come into a house and you can see their name written down in a book of glory just right along beside of yours. You may not recognize it because it will be a new name, but I assure you that God will let you know in the depths of your spirit that their name is written down down just the same as yours is you're full of the Holy Ghost tonight so you can square up with the devil and you can look at him and say Lord I rebuke the Lord rebuke you Lord help me out here Lord you contended over a dead body I need you to contend over the live body of my son I need you to contend over the live body of my daughter Lord I need you to come down here and get this devil out of here I need you to work a mighty deliverance because you put the Holy Ghost in me Lord I need to feel your power. Lord, I need to be able to lay hands on them and see the drugs just seep out of their bodies. I need to be able to lay hands on them and have something change in their life. I need to see something different. God sent you to preserve a posterity. And I believe with everything in me tonight that we can start seeing harvest. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that lightly. I believe with everything in me it's time. I don't want a person in here praying for yourself tonight. I know that may sound odd. Here's what I want. How many of you in here have family that you need to see saved? Here's what I want you to do.
The only prayer I want for you is that you can preserve a posterity. But I want you to come and I want you not even to kneel. If you're able to stand, I just want you to get up. I want you to walk into the altar with your hands up. And I want you to praise God that their name already has a line reserved for them written down right where he can write it, right in the book of glory, right beside of your name. Don't come and ask Him for it. If He's already spoken it to you, He's already put the Holy Ghost in you to preserve a posterity, I want you to get up and I want you to walk into the altar with your hand up, thanking God that He already has a space reserved for their name to be written down in a book of glory. I'm not going any further. The altars are open.